So today in the passage of Scripture, what I'd like to do is get you started with, because if you're not careful, you'll have an image come to your mind. I was going to show you a lot of different images in your mind, but I decided not to do that because we've, as you travel around the world, you see different cultures. You get engaged, and even on your block, in your neighborhood or where you live in the country, there's different cultures down the street or down to the next house. Have you ever had, when we traveled to Canada, a lot of times the Canadians we'd work with, they were actually from Egypt in Canada, and they would say, all you Americans think, and they would fill in the blank. Does anybody like to be clumped in or stereotyped with everyone else on your block or all other Americans? Because we know some Americans that like fools, don't we? And I don't want to be clumped in with those folks, and, and, and I'm not out there doing some radical things that some people are doing. So if you're not careful, you can say the same thing. I ever people in China or the, the uh, continent of Africa, you can pick and choose. Um, if you're not careful, you'll stereotype and put a culture label that you know. And if you're not careful, we'll take the scripture and make an application as well from an American standpoint versus the actual date that it was written into the community it was written for. Now, I'm so thankful. I didn't call her ahead of time, but I, I depended on her. So I'm so thankful that Julie was here today. Julie, you'd come down. And well, I want you to get this image in the South, all right? We're in South Carolina. So doggone it, we got South Carolina culture, all right? If you're from Georgia, we'll lend some to you. If you're from North Carolina or anywhere else, we can't help you, all right? So I'm just kidding. We can, all right. Traveling about in the military, and a lot of folks don't know, Julie has probably the most beautiful assortment of, of coverings when she comes into the church. And they're just, uh, what is the proper name for them? Southern hats. They're just beautiful hats that she wears. On, uh, I've seen red, now black, a lot of, a lot of assortments. But this tradition comes from this passage of Scripture that I'm reading today. I did research. I laughed when I read the research because I was surprised about all the things we do today that were getting away from a lot of the traditions, but we did because it was scriptural-based. And so I'm gonna, I just want you to get Julie's image in your mind, her, this beautiful covering that she has. We would call it a hat today, but for the passage of Scripture, it's a covering. So, uh, Cliff, this is for you right here today. So this is a, uh, your wife obviously wore this today being very fashionable, but also being very honoring to you today. And I'll show you what the Word of God says. So we're going to look into the Word of God. Let's go together. This is, I found this to be so exhilarating that the Word of God would cover this. And I hate that we didn't have catalysts today because I really wanted to put this monkey on the backs of our teachers because this was a tough one to, to chew on. And so you're going to leave today very potentially offended, okay? So that's not my problem. I'm going to read the Scripture for what it says. I'm going to explain it the best way I understand. And then we're going to go in. If you do a commentary search or even some of the very wonderful uh, theologians and, and some commentaries that I read, they disagree. And some people have even said this is the hardest passage of Scripture to actually preach in the Bible. Well, I don't think so. I think all of God's words profitable, right? It's God-breathed, so we're just going to read it as is, okay? We're going to go through verses 1 through 16, and you're going to say, wait a minute. And if you find yourself in conviction or under conviction, after this passage of Scripture, after the sermon today, what should you do? If God says something to your heart, what should you do? Make the change. You've got to go and make the change that God says to do. If you say amen, okay, that's good, and, and you're not affected by the Scripture in the sense that God hasn't given me instructions on a hard thing to do or something to do, you just go amen and you go on and you read this and say this is God's Word. Now, we are writing to the church. Uh, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. But don't forget, as he wrote to the church of Corinth, the Holy Spirit's telling him what to write. But also don't forget, and I'll bring this in your notes, that the church of Corinth had a thousand questions for Paul. We don't know how many there were, but they wrote questions in chapter 7, verse 1. Hey, what about this? What about this? And they ask a bunch of what about this? This church is about five years old, so we would call it today in our vernacular, this is a church plant in a very pagan city, okay? This is a church plant in Las Vegas, or this is a church plant in the heart of Atlanta. This is a church plant in Chicago. This is a church plant in a very tough city with all kind of different cultures potentially being attracted by the Word of God, Holy Spirit drawing people to this church. So the church is about five years old. You can imagine as the church goes through the first year, there's this excitement. It's like when you become a Christian. There's this excitement. You bring your culture in. It's very much Roman-dominated uh, in the area. So if you come to church on Sunday morning, at the gathering, it wasn't a church building like this, they would gather in their gathering places. They would be men, Roman men. Guess what they'd be wearing? Not a coat, not a jacket. They'd be wearing a toga. Has anyone in the building ever wore a toga? 
usually wear it for high school parties or for college or something. A military, you'd, you'd get a toga on, and right, and you would dress like a Roman. If you ever, anybody ever did, make sure anybody ever done that, raise your hand. <clears throat> Good. Okay, we have a few people that's done it. Well, the actual toga would actually have uh, ladies' sweatshirts. I saw Ben had a sweatshirt on. Ben, could you stand up just for a second and do this for me? I know I, I've got to call people out because I didn't put any props because I didn't want to really set this up. But would you just kind of slide your hoodie on? Most togas had an extra material that you could do this to. Okay, you could actually, a man could just slip it over his head. And anytime, all right, that's good. You, anytime he was praying to a deity in his pagan society, he would just take that extra material. And anytime it was a reference to something greater than him, he would basically cover his head and he would basically start his prayers or whatever he was doing before that deity. He would cover his head. It was a recognition that, hey, there's, I'm, about to, I'm about to show there's an authority over me. And the way to show that authority was just slide that over their head. We went to Canada and we were asked by two gurus, I don't know the, the actual religion, but our missionary said, hey, would you come downtown? And who was with me on that trip? We went downtown. Uh, there were several uh, college students with us. Uh, I don't know who all was on the trip. And they said, would you come down and meet with the gurus? And it's a foreign religion. And I said, absolutely, this is in Canada. And so we go downtown. It's an old, like a Lowe's building. They've converted to their uh, uh, denomination or whatever their religion was. And when you go in, it's like an old skating ring. You know, you take your shoes off and put them up, and then you actually get the, a pair of slippers or you go barefoot. And the place wasn't the most clean place. And I'm like, ugh. And, y'all, I don't take my shoes. I like going barefoot all the time, but I'm careful where my feet go. Because when I was a teenager in high school, somebody gave me a pair of brand new cowboy boots, but they were not brand new. They'd worn them a couple of times, and that person had athletic feet, athletes' feet, and I got it. And you talking about it took me two or three months to scrub that mess off and medicate that and get rid of that. I'll never ever want to get that again. But I walk in this place. Guess what happens to my my older mind? Oh my goodness! There's every kind of cujo to catch on this floor, right? Taking my shoes off, people with bent toes and crooked toes, every kind of thing was there going on, and I'm like. Whew, Lord, in your grace and your mercy, I'm, I'm doing this. And it was like a round sink, the kind you'd have a mechanic shop. you push your foot on it. You could wash your hands, and you'd basically wash your feet if you wanted to. There's nothing to drama on. And then when you came out, you had to walk into the actual, they called it their worship center. And then the men, they said, you have to put this on. And the ladies had to put on a certain scarf. It was bright yellow with red, like a red sunshine, and their deity, their names are on it. And they handed it to me and said, you had to put this on. Just a big laundry basket. You had to put this on your head before you go in. And when you go in, you need to go down and get on your knees. And I'm like, mm, not doing that. And they're like, well, you can't go into the worship center unless you cover your head. And y'all understand, if your head's covered, whatever you cover your head with is, your, is basically your crowning authority. And so my convictions, even when I became a Christian, is what's on your head? And so I said, I, I just can't do that. And they're like, well, the, you can't come into the worship center and you can't meet the gurus and you can't actually have the influence you're supposed to have if you don't put this on your head. You're not going in there if you don't put this on their head. And I said, okay, then you need to share with them. I'm not going in there, but they need to come out here. There's a couple offices. We can meet here and there's a McDonald's right across the street. We can go have coffee across the street if, if, if it's not an offense to them. I'll meet them out here, but I am not going in there. No problem going in there. But I'm not going in there with my head covered with their deity. I'm not going to do it. Well, the missionary, imagine they lost their mind. They come out and you've embarrassed us. Can't believe you'd do that. And, and, and I'm like, can't do what? My conviction was that that's actually putting the headship of their deity on my head, and I would not do that. And they were offended. Uh, they didn't talk to me, and, and they, were just, they were so angry with us. You've embarrassed us. And I said, what's embarrassing about it? Jesus Christ is my Lord, my head, right? And I will not put another deity on my head to appease any man in man-made religion. It's demonic. It's, the, it's the, basically the doctrine of demons that we've talked about in 1 Corinthians. So I think about this when I read this passage of Scripture. We're going into it right now. Think about this. When Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, the culture is there's togas. Men would actually cover their, deity, their heads to pray to their deities or those in, in honor. Uh, there's Jews there. Jews would wear an outer garment, and they would obviously have a prayer uh, cloth that sometimes, well, it really started in about the third century. Uh, Moses veiled his face because he didn't want the people to see his glory was fading, right? 
So the Jews, obviously the rabbis took that, and that's where you get the prayer shawls. If you have a, a prayer cloth, we see men cover their head and pray. And many times today, if you'll see, I, I, don't, I haven't watched The Chosen that much, but whenever people pray, they'll flip the, 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 the cloth over the head and they'll pray. You'll see a rabbi, he'll have a, we say yarmulke, that's not the proper pronounce, it's a kippah, uh, uh, on the back of his head, a little round disc on the back of his head. And that's representation of God, is what they say. This represents God, and we're going before God. But Paul is going to say something completely different. Remember, as we read this, the Jewish, if you, Judaism does not believe that Jesus Christ was Lord, right? We read that when we went through uh, the scriptures there in the Gospels. So just remember that. So a Jewish man who's at the Wailing Wall, and they're, and they're praying over and over again, do they have their head covered? Yes, they have their head covered. Why? Because that's symbolic for them from God. Paul's going to say, when you're prophesying or praying, do not cover your head. Well, if you don't recognize Jesus as Lord, guess what? You'll cover your head because you're still waiting on God. But if you recognize Jesus as Lord, guess what you're going to do? Even if you've got a bald head like this, you're not going to cover it. You're going to pray to the Lord uncovered. And when, you, when I stand here today, pray, and, and you'll see this in Scripture, when I stand here today prophesying, putting forth the Word of God, I'm actually saying that Jesus Christ is my head because I'm here uncovered. Now you watch, this is not legalism, so don't please go there. But I, I'm telling you, you're going to be offended. Let's go. All right, here we go. I warned you ahead of time, all right? Here we go. This is us. Verse 1's easy, or some people get mad about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Can you say that about your life? What was Paul before Christ? Murderer, Pharisee, uh, legalistic. He was after the Christian church trying to shut it down. And after Christ, guess what he's doing? He's suffering persecution. He's been beaten. He's been put in jail. He's been shipwrecked. All of these crazy things have happened to him. And he's still preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen? And he's preaching there's only but one way to Christ. He's preaching that everybody is a sinner. He's preaching there's grace that abounds. We shouldn't sin so that grace can abound in Romans. And Paul's preaching Jesus. He's preaching Jesus. He's preaching Jesus. And what happens is people say, well, don't follow me because, man, if you follow me, I mess up all the time. Paul even said, listen, in the flesh, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, what wretched man I am. But guess who we would do in practice? He would come out and he would exercise daily to live for Christ. For to me is Christ, right? Right? He's, he's died, Galatians 2.20. He's been crucified with Christ. He said, it's no longer that I live, but who is it? It's Christ in me. So you can't live the Christian life on your own. You can't be a good imitation of Christ if you don't allow Christ to work in and through you. Do you understand? And he won't work in and through you unless you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You can't have the Christ model if you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to surrender and submit I surrender what? All to Jesus. That's what we're doing. All right, let's read. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Verse 2. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I deliver them to you. Now, typically traditions is a bad thing, but here it's a good thing, and I'll explain it to you in your notes. Verse 3. But I want you to know that, every, that the head of every man is Christ. Amen? The head of every woman is man. Amen? See, we still get more amens. Some of you strong-willed ladies are going to have a hard time with this, right? And the head of Christ is God, our God the Father. Amen? Okay. Verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, guess what he does? Your scripture says he dishonors his head. Who's his head? Not his coconut on his shoulders. Who's his head? Go back to verse before it. It's Christ. Okay, let's continue. But every woman, now remember the Corinthian culture, because the what would they do? The men would actually pull the, their toga over their head to pray, right? Jews would obviously, they would, they would put something on their head. Other cultures, you bring it in. If you look at and, and I, Chris asked me a thousand times, can I put a slide up for you? And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to put it up there because I don't want to blur your image of going, well, that but not that, that but not that. Once you see something, it's hard to erase what you've seen, right? But if you go to, like Kenya, they wear hair coverings. Uh, you go to... Zimbabwe, there's head coverings. The ladies wear head coverings. Around the world, there's head coverings. And some of you have seen Muslim ladies, right, with full burqas. Uh, if you go to Iran, they can only actually have slits so they can actually be seen. And the idea is that same idea of covering that their beauty is reserved for their husband. Now, people have arranged marriages, just so you know that. So if you're in that culture and you have that situation, uh, 
It's gumballs when you go to get married, right? You hope that your mom and daddy did right because you don't know what's behind the veil, right? Pull the shower curtain, number one, behind the curtain, number one. Uh, you could want to trade that for it, uh, but uh, uh, you could be in for it. All right, just FYI. Uh, I thank God we don't have this practice. All right, here we go. Watch this, verse 5. But every woman who prays or prophesies, wait a minute, you mean women can pray and prophesy out loud in the church? Yes, they can. We're going to show you to you this. I thought women were supposed to be completely quiet in the church. That's what Paul says in 1 Timothy, right? But it's very specific. Let me get to it. I hope I can cover all this with one uh, sermon. Uh, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Who's her head? Either mankind, right, in general, because if you're single, you don't have a husband, but you dishonor potentially your husband. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. We talked about some of the temple prostitutes would shave their heads, and that's how you knew them in culture, but also the women would not comb their hair, and they would stand up and say things for their deity with their hair all ratchet, as we would call it today, right? For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. Shave her head, if that's embarrassing. When do we see, by the way, just so you get this before you get into the, the Scripture, and I know i got to teach and break like this, when would you typically see a woman today in our culture, in South Carolina, in Aiken, South Carolina, bald, typically? She's went through cancer chemo, chemo, uh, chemos. Is usually it's it's actually uh, knocked her body down. She's lost her hair, or there's something that actually that she doesn't have hair. Because how much money do women spend on their hair typically? Bazillions, right? Bazillions. I think that's a real word. They'll spend. They go to the beauty parlors. Men don't have beauty parlors, do we? If you do, something's wrong with you. Okay, I need to talk to you after church. We go get a buzz cut, get a quick butt, get a quick cut, and go. Um, so what happens to men? And you look around. Ken Miller is one of us. I see some of you. Yeah, you're in it. What happens to us when we get older? We have this chemical in our bodies and, and other things that we have actually, we inherit from our, uh, it's genes that we inherit, but men go bald one out of ten times uh, greater than with women. So one to ten ratio, men are going bald. Women have some balding spots, but for the most part, what happens to you if you go down to the, Mike took it all the way to the mortuary. What happens if you see an older man at the mortuary? In his casket, he's typically what? He's typically bald or losing his hair. His hair is receded. We call it a forehead. And then in our family, if you measure it, it's a five head. And then it's a six head. And then you forget it. Behind me when I was a kid, the kids used to take a dime. Like Mackenzie was the worst. She'd sit behind me in church or somewhere and go, Dad, your hair's balding in the back. About the size of it. They'd put a dime on my head. And then she put a penny, and then she went to a nickel, and then a quarter, and then it could lay a dollar bill up there or more, right? There's a full bank up there. All right, it's gone. It just happens to us men. It's what happens because why? Because we're men, or, or, right? We're men. Amen? Ladies, it happens to you as well, and I know there's all these things. Uh, Rogaine, people are trying to make their hair grow again. Spend all this money saying, don't we fight the time of, of age and all the different things we're after, but we lose our hair. That's just typical of a man. It happens to ladies. We know that as well. Hair thins. There's a growth stage after puberty. Hair grows, and then hair st stays, and hair goes on vacation. All right, let's continue. It just happens. So when we read this, we go, oh, we understand that. For man, uh, verse 7, excuse me, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and the glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. Now, we're going to need to go back to Genesis for that, so we need to, we'll try to get there in just a moment. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. What does angels have to do with this? Now we're into a whole other territory, not just men and women and God, but now we have the angels involved. Verse 11, Nevertheless, Neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. Make sure you mark that in your Bible, in the Lord. For as a woman come for man, uh, as a woman came for man, even so man also comes through women. But all things are from who? From God. Judge among yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Now he's not saying judge for yourself, you'd make that decision. To the church at Corinth, he's like, Duh, right? It's a question mark. Like, I'm telling you, this is truth, so you judge for yourself. Am I telling you the truth? The answer was, for their culture, the answer was yes. 
Does not even nature itself tell you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is, to her, uh, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have so, no such custom, nor do the churches of God. And we're going to talk about this, okay? Let me get into your notes, and I want you to, if you didn't get a bulletin, we'll get, you need to have one today because there's a lot of, there's some fighting material here today, all right? So when you walk out of here, there's a handout as well. I want you to have, it's just called Head Coverings. And if you want to read that, it's some good information. I gave you a reference, and you can do all the, a deeper dive into it if you'd like to. And if you're offended, I love it. Please get one of these when you leave, all right? Because when I read it, I'm like, okay, this is easy. Starting next week, we're going to start having women cover their heads when they come to church because it says so right here. Anybody leaving the church next week, right? I'm not coming back to that church. Who do they think they are? What happens is when we get into rebellion in society, we will leave the cultures of actually the norms of nature. Why today we have women thinking they're men, and they're, I'm, I'm not, and I'll put it in your notes, and I'm jumping ahead, but uh, they say, well, my, my, uh, my gender is uh, non-binary. Some days I feel like a man, therefore I am a man. Some days I feel like a woman, therefore I am a woman. When I was driving the bus for Christmas, a man got on and we were talking about, I said, ooh, I can't play this, it's not politically correct, because uh, uh, Jimmy and Ben, I forgot who it is, in the Christmas song, one wants a doll that wets, so the, woman, the girls do, and the boys want a, boy that, a gun that shoots. I'm like, oh, can't play that, right, for the general public because guns are bad, right? So that, the old songs were bad because it actually talked about boys being boys and girls being girls. That's bad in our society, isn't it? Why are y'all looking so sanctimonious? You read the news and watch the news as I do. The man said, you think that's politically correct? All that mess going on in high school, he worked at the nuclear plant out here at the SRS. He says, we had to put a, a, an actual um, litter box in for a woman who identifies as a furry. Remember, I told you it was happening in the schools, and it's happening in all the schools. Now it's happening at this at a federal facility. They put in a, uh, according to this man, now I, I don't work there, so I don't know, but he said, you think that's bad. Where I work out here at the plant, they put in a litter box so a woman can actually, who identifies as a furry, can use the bathroom uh, in the litter box. Now, does that shock anybody? Our culture is getting far from God. What happened in the 60s in America, right? We're, we're actually reaping what we sowed. What happened in the 60s? Men went from the 50s, 40s, 50s hairstyle, right? The slick, I always jokingly call it the Elvis Presley. What kicked into the 60s? Um, rock and roll, rebellion, and what did men do? They grew their hair, women burned their bras. I mean, it was, it was, like, it was like freedom. We're, we're against the, the, the organization, the establishment. Let the establishment burn, and we'll do anything. Men didn't wash for days. Uh, their hair would get way, way long. They got into all kind of psychedelic drugs. They got into to the occult. I mean, you name it. The, the, it was the age of Aquarius for sure. Uh, men were rebelling against, quote, unquote, the establishment. Women were rebelling against the establishment. Do we still love those people even today? Oh, yes. Do we still minister? Oh, yes, we do. We don't stop. But I'm telling you, as culture goes, there's this rebellion. In every culture, there's a rebellion that happens. So I want you to go to your notes. I want to see this. The Corinthian church struggled with division and disunity. All throughout uh, the book of Corinth so far, Paul starts out really niceties. He gives niceties, and then he gets right into the hard stuff. And then he gets into niceties again. He says, listen, I want to tell you something. Verse 2, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So the Corinthian church at large, young church, struggled with division and disunity. Paul credited the struggle in part to their sinful pride and their going beyond what God had commanded them. Today, when there's rules, what happens is if you're not careful, churches will make rules. And you'll get different denominations come out of those rules. You'll have different denominations formed because people say, I don't understand the Bible that way, therefore um, I don't agree with that. Today, if you read this scripture, you go, wait a minute. Uh, do you ever see Mennonites? Do you ever see the Mennonite ladies? What's on the back of their head? They have a covering. Where does that covering come from? You ever ask, why are you wearing that thing on your head? You ever ask that question? Okay, some of you are not as bold as I am. Have you ever thought that question? Who's ever thought that question? What's that thing on your head for, right? Or you'll see there's different denominations. Girls wear a little dolly. Is that right, Chung? Dolly? A dolly, they'll pin it on, just a little covering note. Some women would cover their head completely. Some women have hair down to... What was that Crystal Gale back in the day? They had her hair all the way down to her ankles. Their hair's covered. Their hair has to be put up. 
And the idea is that you come from this passage of Scripture, you're going, wait a minute, how do you interpret this? You're going to interpret it saying it was just culturally true for the church at Corinth, or it's good for the whole church. I want to uh, present to you that I believe it was culturally true for their time. Now, the honor and all the respect still applies today. Remember, if you go back from the Old Testament, people like, when you talk about stuff, people say, that's Old Testament. Don't you love that whenever it says, I believe the Bible, every word. And you know what, then you need to understand this. Oh, that's Old Testament, right? And they want to put it off on the Old Testament. I had a kid in our school that he wanted to grow his hair out really long. I said, listen, the Bible says it's shameful for a man to have long hair. He goes, oh, that's Old Testament. I said, no, it's in 1 Corinthians, it's in New Testament. He said, no, it's not. You're just making that up. Ben, I think you were in class for that, wouldn't you? I said, okay, if I can show you in Scripture, if it's New Testament, will you shave your head? He said, I'll shave my head if you show it to me. Of course, I rolled up, and guess what? His family no longer comes to our church. He didn't shave his head, but uh, uh, they left the church. I, I won, right? I still want to shave his head. He's married now. I want to shave his head even today because he made a deal with me. What I want you to see is get into the notes. What were they doing? They were fighting over their favorites, right? I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. Remember that sermon when we read that scripture? They were choosing their favorite speaker. They were fighting over it. It was like my camp, your camp. Oh, brother so-and-so, this was denominations of today. He's right. He's more, he's, he's deeper in his teachings, whatever. They were fighting over their favorites. They were fighting over sexual morality. The church was going, oh, it's okay. I know brother so-and-so's, he's intimate with his stepmother, but, you know, we just, grace, grace, God's grace. And Paul comes back and says, listen, not even the pagans do that. That's your stepmother. Get out of that situation, cast him out of the church, and let Satan have his way with him. Right? Sin can be so deep in the church, and we as Christians and church attenders, there's not everybody who's a Christian, I don't believe that when you come to church, can actually just see sin and go, I can't believe that's happening, and walk away. And go, well, I'm glad that's not my family. Thank God that's not my situation. Well, as pastor, guess whose situation your situation is? If it's sinful. It's our responsibility, right? The bear one another's burdens. But as your pastor and as your shepherd, it's my job to lead the sheep. And it's our, our, our responsibility to take, thus saith the word of God. And what you're doing is opposed to this. Therefore, it affects sinful here at the church. So therefore, you have to change. You have to change your ways. You have to change your sayings. You have to change what you're doing because God's word speaks specifically to that. That's not always easy, is it? But remember, God's word, you said you believe it's all scriptures God breathed. It's profitable for correction, for reproof, right? So that the man of God, and that is the preaching there because it goes right into the call of God right after that, but also the woman of God. You can actually be thoroughly equipped. So if you're not thoroughly equipped and you run into a buzzsaw, guess what's going to happen? If somebody hits you with theology you didn't know before, or somebody says, what about chapter 11 right here? What do you think about that? You have to have an answer for your faith. Peter says, be ready to give it. Let's continue. Well, they were fighting over lawsuits as well. They were suing each other when times got tough. They were abusing their spiritual gifts. And this church was full of the spiritual gifts. We'll see in chapter 12, it's going to be getting really good. Paul's just going to open up the door and we're going to see, wow. There's all the spiritual gifts of the church. Not all, but a lot of the spiritual gifts of the church. All right, I want you to see this in point number one. The Apostle Paul instructed the Corinthian believers to imitate him as he imitated Christ. This was true for believers in Paul's lifetime and remains one of the most direct ways of disciple-making today. Sometimes the Bible uh, tells us very clearly to make disciples. That's our great commission from Jesus. But I want, you to, I want to tell you the truth. Listen, Christianity is more caught than it is taught sometimes. Because you can teach it till you're blue in the face, but if you're not living it, there's a big H word for you, and what's it called? Hypocrite. People say, I don't want to go to that church. Full of hypocrites. I don't want to, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, you should hear how they talk at church when they get home. They're the worst hypocrites on the planet. I don't want nothing to do with what they're talking about. Man, they sing grace, grace, God's grace. They sing God is good, Jesus is good, and they come home and they curse the same God that they actually praise. The Bible says there should not be fresh water and salt water come out of the same mouth. God forbid. Amen? So the reason some people won't come to Christ is because you're not living it in front of them. You, what, the reason your family might be far from God is because you're far from God in your actions, in your deeds. And I want to be very clear, disciple-making today, is e it's easier caught than taught. It is taught, yes it is, but it's also caught. I'm not saying you have to be perfect because what happens is there are no perfect people. You, know, you can actually come to the place where you say, listen, I'm sorry. 
Y'all, I'm, 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 will you forgive me? Forgiveness is one of the biggest things I think our culture is missing, our lack of forgiveness. People don't forgive others, and people say, I just can't forgive myself. And who do you think you are not to forgive yourself if Christ said he's already forgiven you? Are you greater than Christ? No, you're not. So receive his forgiveness and give his forgiveness. It's through him that he actually gives you the ability to forgive others. So don't ever come up, and it's the worst thing you say, I just can't forgive myself for what I've done. Then you're greater than God. Is anyone in this room greater than God? Then receive his forgiveness and give his forgiveness. And it starts with this. Watch my mouth. Watch my mouth closely. I forgive you. Will you forgive me? When children do wrong, parents are very clear. It was in our house. It's the hardest thing to do. Sorry. Mm -mm, Not finished. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Because what happens is I have to submit myself to you. I want to come lower than you and say, I'm sorry. I'm lower than you because I have offended you. Will you forgive me? It's the way we honor. Children are to honor their father and their mother. Is that true from the word of God? That's Old Testament and New Testament, by the way. Uh, husbands and wife, there should be a mutual honor between the two. Is that true? Yeah, that's between, listen, that's New Testament and Old Testament. And what's happening in our society, we're so dishonoring one another. Uh, that's why divorce is on the climb that it is today. That's why this gender mess is on the climb today and why people are, are trying to be anything they want to be today because there are no rules anymore. And man's heart is naturally rebellious in nature. And what's happening is Christians are not standing up saying, hey, that's not right, and I will not tolerate that. We let politicians and preachers and policemen and everybody else get away with whatever they want to get away with because we just don't want to say anything and get involved. It is our job to be involved what God says our job is to be involved with. And every position today, no matter what politicians, no matter what preacher, listen, no matter what policeman, you go down the P's, no matter what parent, go down the list, anything that starts with P today, listen, or any other titles, our job is to share the love of Jesus Christ with those people and tell them the truth. It's our duty, our responsibility. It's our great commission. Let me continue because I want to I finish this today. Paul commended the Christian, uh, Corinthian church for their continued fellowship with him and for keeping the ordinances such as baptism and the Lord's Supper. But wait. There's bad news coming next week. Chapter 12, we'll be in chapter 11 again. He smashes them because of the way they're doing the Lord's Supper. They're getting drunk. Uh, they're eating food in front of people that are poor. They're acting like a fools and calling it just remembrance of Jesus Christ. People doing that today? People act a fool in Christ and just call it, oh, just love Jesus, right? The outward expressions show what's on the inside. What comes out your mouth is what's in your heart. That's biblical, amen? So let's continue. Paul, committed, uh, Paul continued to answer the questions the church sent him, 1 Corinthians 7, 1, 8. Uh, we have his Holy Spirit-inspired answers, but not the original church questions. That's part of our problem with this passage is we don't know what they ask him. We don't know what the question was. Because you ever done that? What's the question? If you don't know the question, all we get is the answer side. We just have to trust the word of God. Amen? All right. I want you to see this. The ultimate principle, and remember, principles never change. Methods change, principles don't change. Mark that down. Principles never change. Principles of God never change. Methods on how we do things do change sometimes and often. The ultimate principle of Paul's writing is for the church to submit to God, given authority and order in this life. Would you agree? In the 21st centuries, are husbands still the leaders of their wife? Come on now. It got really quiet in here, right? Are husbands responsible to be the leaders of their wife in the 21st century? Is Christ still the head of man? Yes. Yes, is is God the Father still on the throne and God the Son submits to the Father? Yes. You don't have to like it. You have to do it. And when you do it, you'll start liking it because that's the way God made us. He loves us that much. Isn't it amazing to think about? It's like, why did the rules change? You ever done something wrong for a long time and realize you actually were doing it wrong? Somebody's actually corrected you? You ever done that? That's not how you do that. Right? Mike does it all the time. Will does it all the time in math. Kids up there, they'll do something like, what are they doing? I didn't learn it that way. And they're like, that's not the way. They'll let them mess it up and then they'll come up and straighten it up for them. Right? Let's continue. Christ is the head of and the authority over man 
every man, and man is the head of woman, and God the Father is the head of Christ. Paul did not assert the inequality of male and female any more than he asserted the inequality of father and son. I want you to get that. Ladies, you're still as much valued uh, to God as men are. Men, you're still as much valued to God as ladies are. You're not devalued. You're highly valued. And we'll, need, we'll read the scripture in just a moment. But God has an order. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Has anybody ever heard that before? Three in what? One. Is God the Father God? Is God the Son God? Is God the Holy Spirit God? Are they up in heaven going, hey, you've got further line privileges. How silly could we even imagine and put that on God, right? So same thing on the earth. How silly can we possibly be to put the order out of order, right? Because in most churches... The Chinese church is having rebellion now in Southern Baptist Convention. We have Chinese Southern Baptist churches. They're like, wait a minute. Because Southern Baptist last year said, we voted as a whole, as across the nation, that only men can be pastors. Right? Not in our culture. My church, I grew up in, my mama, my grandma, and you go down the list. The Bible says he must be, if a man seeks the office of overseer, bishop, presbyter, Shepherd, he must be the husband of but one wife. He must be sober. He must be have a good reputation in town. He, and it goes down, he, he, he. There is never an opportunity that it says she. Does that offend you? Good. Read your Bible. Understand it from what the Bible says, how the Bible says it. You don't have to like it. You just have to do it. You say, well, I'm going to another church. If he is not the pastor of that church who is in right standing, qualified, then he's in violation as well. Just because he's a he doesn't mean he's right. Amen? All right, let's continue. But he has to be the pastor or shepherd of the church. Deacons likewise, he must be. And he must rule his own household well. He, listen, the office of pastor and deacon is reserved for men. Got really quiet. I heard one name in that was from my sister. Read the Bible for yourself. First Timothy chapter 3. Titus chapter 1. Read it for yourself. And then when you say, okay, God, I don't like this because I don't know how ladies like Joyce Myers, she gets up and preach. How does she get up and preach? And she preaches 1 Timothy chapter 3. But she cuts her hair really short like a man. She responds very much like a man. And when women get up and preach, listen, there's women who can actually speak this prophecy. Women can actually speak forth in Jesus' name. A woman can come here and speak uh, and speak the very words of God probably better than me. There's smarter women than me. There's smarter, uh, listen, deeper involved with God in their devotion time than me. But I believe Paul's teaching, listen, when she comes in and takes that position, that office of mankind, when she gives up the prophesy or pray before the Lord, she has to put a covering over her head, a, a hat on her head to say, thus said the word of God. And you go, what a nice hat. But what she's saying is, my husband is my head. Christ is his head. The Father is his head. So when you wear a covering, when you stand before in this time at Corinth, if a man covered his head, he's like, I have no head. Or I'm going to dishonor the upline. We understand chain of command today, do we not? If a man, if you're in the Navy, and you might not have been in the Navy, but we call it scrambled eggs. If a man has scrambled eggs on his bill, what is he? Do anybody know? If you've never been in, what is he? Scrambled eggs references that he's actually somebody is an officer of high authority, right? He's somebody you have to actually, yes, sir, good morning. That's why I said today I could not salute a woman dressed in man's clothing or a man dressed in woman's clothing. I will not do it because it's not God-given, it's not normal. I'd be kicked out of the military today because I could not and I would not do it. And, of course, I wouldn't do it even before I became a Christian. How foolish. You ever seen a picture of a buck? Everybody's posting all their deer they killed. You ever seen the picture? They were trophy bucks. So if I had two trophy bucks and I put them on an island, there's no way for them to leave, what's going to happen to those two bucks and the rest of their buck population for those two? They're going to die out. But what if one buck sits there and goes, I'm a, I'm a doe, I'm a doe, I'm a doe. If you cut his horns off, what's going to happen? They're going to still die out. It doesn't matter what you call yourself today. God made a buck and a doe. He made a bull and a cow. He made a rooster and a hen. He made a man and a woman. And we have responsibilities in this life. We have responsibilities and roles within the church. And that's the way God did it. If you don't like it, listen, that's your problem with God. I love saying that because I know it just skins people's hearts. Like, Egh! 
I dare you say that my, my daughter's a, a furry or whatever it's called, right? A furry. She's not. She's a girl. If she shaves her head, paints herself purple, she's still a girl. And listen, based on the word of God, not because we're like, spike the ball, spike the ball, ah, we're right. It's because we love God and we love that girl, that purple girl, that girl who calls herself a furry, that homosexual, anybody who's living an alternative lifestyle, we love that person because Paul said, listen, as such were some of you. Thank God that we're saved, right? We don't get saved, get in the boat, go, woo, saved. We dive back in and go get more. But we got to tell the truth. If the bridge is out ahead, guess what you've got to tell somebody if they can't see very good? If the signs aren't up and it's been knocked down or somebody's played a joke or it just fell in, if the sign is out ahead, the bridge is out ahead, you need to turn your car, sacrifice your car yourself and get out of the way. Whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. The bridge is out, danger ahead. You're going to go off the bridge. The bridge is out. And Christians today, we've gotten so quiet. And this new year we're starting, we're so quiet, we don't want to offend anybody. Well, if I offend them, I lose my job. If I say that, they'll leave the family. If I do this, and we get so me, 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 me. And guess what? The middle letter of pride that these people dealt with in the church of Corinth. P-R-I. It's the middle letter. D-E. What's the middle letter of sin? S-I-N. It's when you put yourself first in front of the word of God. You put yourself, this is what I feel. This is what I think. Then that's when we actually get offended or we offend others, especially those who follow the word of God. You've got to say, God, do you speak on this? And if you do, listen, I'm going to follow it, even if it means changing even the way I'll appear. If somebody read this, go, wait a minute, I think I am not referencing, referencing my husband or my God. I'm going to actually wear a head covering next week. Would anybody be offended? You go, look at her. She's trying to get in good with the pastor because he read that passage of Scripture. Right? Because of pride, we, 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 think, we put on to others what we think of ourselves. But if God puts on your heart, listen, there's something you need to do, let me encourage you to do it. Even if it meant something weird as a headdress. Anybody think Julie looks weird when she comes in? That's why I asked her to come up. I think it's very attractive, right, when you wear the head the headgear. It didn't have to be the burkas, right, or like this. If she come in in a burka, I'd probably have some counseling with Cliff and, and Julie after church, right? Hey, what's going on? Still her choice because that's a covering. Let's finish these up and I'll get out of here so don't, that we don't, no one throws anything at me today. There was an accepted order in the church at Corinth regarding head coverings. Would you agree? Based on what we read right here, yes or no? Yes. If men prophesied or prayed with his head covered, he dishonored his head. That's Jesus Christ. Likewise, if a woman prophesied or prayed with her head uncovered, she dishonored her head. That's man. Commentator suggests her husband. Men and women must treat each other in a, such a way as to reflect the picture of God they're found in Ephesians 5.33. Would you agree? And that's where the husbands to love their wife as Christ loved the church. That's where the wife is to graciously submit to her own husband as unto the Lord. It's all as unto the Lord. The man is to take his headship seriously. That's the problem today. Everybody acts like a bunch of jerks. Guys like to be playboys. Still, They think they're still in high school when they're 50 years old. They're still like, oh, I want to go play with my toys. We have today, we have little bitty kindergarten rooms. You know, we go back to the room back here, and we got little toys for kids to play in. And go, oh, look how sweet. He's playing with that. She's playing with the dollies. Well, grown men who can't grow up still have toys. They have these places called man caves, right? Man cave. It's my TV. It's my cooler, my little grill, and it's my space that I can get away from all the kids. I can get away from my wife. It's just my space, right? If you have one, here's the deal. I can't say what I used to say when I was a young man. All right, here's the deal. Grow up. That's this whole series. Grow up. You don't need your space. You need a family space. Let your kids in that space. Actually, have entertainment, yeah, that's fine. Having nice things is not wrong. But your little man cave is nothing more than a preschool playpen for you. That's all it is. Is that true? Mom, she touched it. Honey, get the kids. You're in my space. We need to grow up. Men, our job is to lead. Amen? Our job is to lead. And we have to stand up and be the man God's called us to be. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, of course you can't lead because all you're going to do is what the world does. And women, you need to follow. Are you leaders? Yes. I told you, there's women much, much smarter than me, even in this room today. But you submit to that place at, to your own husband. You don't submit to me, right? I have enough 
I have a graciously submissive wife. I really do. God's blessed us. And I don't twist her down like Ric Flair. Woo! In order to be the man, you got to be the man. I don't hold her down like, and you will submit. I used to, but not anymore. <laughs> That's when we were younger. But we give in to, hey, this is what God's word says. And it's not hard. Once you live God's way, you go, this is peaceful. This is enjoyable. I like it. The man likes it. The woman likes it. God likes it. And what happens is he gives you a life of peace. When we resist God, listen, that's when we get all stirred up inside. That's when we need counseling. That's when we need actually uh, just all the crazy things we're going to go in and fight over. These people are fighting over these same things. <laughs> this is weird. I don't have time to develop this, but the man is to take his headship seriously just as the woman. Ironically, the angels who are also under authority, are present in our worship services and observe the behavior of men and women. Did you know angels watch you every Sunday when we gather to worship the Lord Jesus Christ? They're here in this place. Does that freak you out? It's awesome to think, no, I, I, don't, I love angels, I guess. They're messengers of God, but God's watching as well. He's everywhere all the time. It doesn't matter if it's here or wherever you might be. He's everywhere all the time. He loves you. That's who I fear, not the angels. I fear the Lord. Though cultures and methods change, there's a method again versus the actual principle. Principles don't change, methods change. Gender roles within the church do not. Gender is, I use the word of society, binary. It's masculine and feminine, male and female. That's it. Try to look that up on a Google search. You can't hardly find binary gender. Uh, you'll go right into a non-binary. You'll go into all this other crazy mess. Why? Humans were part of God's plan and exist solely because of his creative action. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says very clearly that God made man in his image. In the image of God made he male and female. Just in case you don't know the story, God made Adam from the dust of the ground. Amen? Then he made Eve from the rib of man. That's why it says that Adam is the glory of God. Eve is the glory of man. If I can put it in nature, Adam was the buck. Eve was the doe. The two complement each other, but that's how we get little baby deer. Amen? That's how we get the small fawns. Today, there's a man, there's a woman. That's how we get children. And men cannot, I'm going to surprise you, get pregnant. Did y'all know that? It's not even possible. I know that blows some of you away because you watch the news. All right. Lastly, men and women are different but are mutually interdependent. Men must not twist God's order and take on the roles and appearances of women. That's where he's talking about the long hair. Some of these men were actually ask, acting like women. Today, when you see a man act like a woman, usually he's a, he's a transvestite, right? He's, he's a homosexual. And when, when I was a children's minister, I was the worst children's minister. We had a kid, he'd always he twist it when he walked because he hung out with the girls. And the girls thought it was funny. That's so funny. I was like, son, come here, son. Come here. He's, yes, Pastor Glenn. I was like, uh -uh. push your finger right here. And put some bass in your voice. And every time he passed me after that, he'd go, good morning, Pastor Clint. <laughs> he knew there was an expectation that he should be a man. His family was not modeling for him. The girls thought it was funny because all the girls love to hang out with gay guys, don't they? They think it's hilarious in our society. Yes or no? You don't get in society enough if you don't know this. They think it's funny. It's cute. They twist his hair, braid his hair. They, do, they treat him just like a girl, and he acts like a girl if we're not careful. Am I speaking the truth? Single parents today, listen, uh, most of the African-American community, you'll see a lot of single parents. In the white community, you'll see a lot of parents. Hispanic community, you don't see as much, but you'll see it. But if you're raised by your father, you'll be tough or far from God, or you'll actually be, if you're raised by a mother, what do mothers do to little boy's hair? In, in the country, they call it mullets. They let it grow down like a girl's hair, shave up the side. We say business in the front, right? Or uh, whatever, fun in the front, business in the back. Or whatever it said. Whatever. We make excuses for doing what we do. Each culture is unique. So we get to the place going, wait a minute, okay, is your hair long enough or short? Long or short? This is what we do after church today. Everybody's looking around going, hmm, does he qualify or does she qualify? It's not your job. It's conviction from the Holy Spirit, right? If somebody comes next week with a head covering, what do we do? Because what is a head covering? There's two mentioned for a woman. It is an actual head covering, a piece of cloth or something, or it's her hair. Read it right there for yourself. What's a man's covering? Obviously, it's the Lord Jesus Christ and his hair. So 
this was very much uh, focused on society. Men and women are different, mutually independent. Men must not twist God's order and take on the roles and appearances of women or act like women, nor should women take on the headship and responsibility roles and appearances of men. Honoring God should be our highest priority. Would you agree? What happens is it's our job to help somebody. If there's a man given over to acting like a woman, what should we do? Because there's men who are, who are very soft nature. I'm not talking about those men who love, who are, who are affectionate like their mothers. Because i got two boys, very strong men, but they're very much like their mother. And i got a very strong daughter who's very much like her father, but she still has those emotions that she learned from her mother. That's my personal experience. So it's not somebody being soft or somebody being hard. It's actually taking on who God made you to be. Men, the call today is to be men. Not just men, but men of God. Lead your family. See what the Bible says you're supposed to do and do it. Ladies, your job is to be ladies. Listen, your job is to read the word of God and be what God says you're supposed to be. Do it. And when we do what God says for men to do and we do what ladies says to do, guess what happens? There is peace. Now, there's still be disagreements and arguments, but there'll be peace in the valley. Amen? For you and for me. You say, well, I got a lost so-and-so. Well, then let's start praying like crazy. We're praying for a bunch of folks in our church already. But if we don't know, we can't join you in prayer. But let's pray together. God, do a work that only you can do. I know we're in overtime, but here's what listen, I want us to be serious this, this season as we start this new year. We must be serious with the things God says for us to be serious about. If God convicts us, we say, ah, that hurts. Or everybody's going to think I'm doing it just because I read that in the scripture. Good. Amen? If you respond because God convicts you, that's what it's there for. I need to change. I need to fix that. I am rebuked in my spirit, therefore I'm not going to do it anymore. And if God just comes this morning and says, hey, we're good, you go, amen, thank you, Jesus. Because we're always all growing, right? I'm still growing, still maturing. You want to watch me fail? Hang out with me just for a little bit. You'll find out I'm not perfect. I know you're surprised by that, but I'm not perfect. Let's pray together, y'all. Listen, ain't it good that God is a God who forgives? He's a God who loves. He's a God who gives us our direction so that we might live in peace with him today. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you today. I thank you that I'm not responsible for going around good hair length, bad hair length, good hair covering, not good hair covering. I'm thankful that you didn't make preachers policemen or judges. Now, Lord, we say about things what you say about things because your word speaks because you're the ultimate righteous judge. But, Father, I thank you today that we can actually come together Read the Word of God. Receive what the Word of God says. See our culture in turmoil and sin, living in the most devastating ways because of the doctrines of demons. And, Father, we can step in that gap and say, listen, yes, this is what the world says, but this is what Almighty Creator God, Savior, Sustainer says. Thus saith the Word of God, and we speak that truth forward in Jesus' name. Help us never be conceited or think we're better than someone. Help us never forget what it's like to be lost so we don't quit going back and rescuing the perishing. Lord, let us continue to be rescuers. Let us men be men. Let us boys turn into righteous men of God. May our ladies be righteous ladies, women of God. May little girls grow up to be like their mommies who are righteous before God. God, we ask, we beg these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen.